Blog Talk Radio. Spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com
God, we're grateful because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We open our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life, eternal life, God. We pray, oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, and give us a refilling, Lord, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee, huh? and healing is in your wings, huh? and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh? You're able to save our troubled souls, huh? and in the name of Jesus, huh? bind every demon, Lord, huh? every demonic force, Lord. Huh? God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord, because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you. 
you, Lord, because we know for every right desire there is an answer. And Jesus, sure that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. 
But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top by aligning ourselves with God's purpose. Our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take His rightful place. 
Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things. 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. 
And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from his throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number eight, understand life's true purpose. Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10 verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, 
or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform when we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life.
the promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise, Lord. I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare in the name of Jesus that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us in your word. We ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, 
I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this
Bibles with me to First Peter chapter number five. First Peter chapter five. And I want to look this morning in verses five, six, and verse number seven. In the next worship, we will look at verses 8 through verse number 10. But for your consideration this morning, verses 5 through 7. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7 reads, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Thank you. You may be seated. grass withers and the flower thereof fadeth away but the word of our God shall stand forever I want to talk a moment about how to endure tough times how to endure tough times the year is about A.D. 65, and Nero Claudius Caesar has been the emperor of Rome 11 years prior. And his reign started well. It was a season of wealth and prosperity. But then it became a time of bloodthirstiness, a time of great persecution. Nero had his own mother, Agrippina, murdered. And he is known to have set a part of the city of Rome on fire and blamed it on Christians. Because their God was a God of consuming fire. And they were known to have an incendiary fellowship. So he burned parts of Rome and used the Christians as scapegoats. It was a time of great trial. A time of immense suffering. Days of severe persecution. And it's against that background. It's juxtaposed to that situation that Peter writes to the church of that day and the church of this day to endure persecution. To stand up under severe testing. To really be able to, to persevere in times of trial 
and fiery difficulties. Anybody can be Christians and sing songs when the sun is shining. It, it doesn't take much faith to give God glory when all your bills are paid. You don't have to be real strong to shout hallelujah when everything is well in your life. But when the bottom falls out, when sickness comes, when trials and difficulties come, when, when your health starts to fail, when your children break your heart, when persecution comes just because you're trying to do the right thing, when difficulties, tough times, hard days, long nights, it is then that your faith kicks in to let you know that he's a very present help in the time of trouble. Those of us who read the Bible will remember the psalmist was struggling with that. And he said, my steps were almost gone. I wish I had a Bible reading. And my feet had well nigh slipped. When I saw how the, the wicked were prospering and the righteous were suffering. I, I called on the Lord and I went to the left and I went to the right and God seemed distant and quiet and I did not get an answer until I went in the sanctuary. And brothers and sisters, the sanctuary doesn't necessarily have to be Lily Grove because if you are a child of God in your own house, I wish I had somebody to help me. In, in your office, in your classroom, in your, in, in your, wherever you are, you ought to set up a sanctuary, a, a secret place, or somewhere you can go and call on the Lord to get your perspective. Um, this word this morning is for somebody going through tough times, for somebody struggling just to keep your head above water. You're smiling just to keep from crying. You're coming to church, but there's still some aches and pains in your body. You, you're doing the best you can, but you put one foot forward and two steps are made backwards. You, you're trying, but things don't seem to be quite working out the way you planned. You thought you'd be in a different place at this season in your life. And it looks like you've been praying and calling on the Lord and teaching Sunday school and reading the Bible and doing your devotion and listening to preaching. You're doing everything right, but you're still suffering. I've got some good news for you. Well, I've got some bad news for you as well. Now, which one do you want first, the good news or the bad news? Well, let me give you the bad news first. You may not get out of it right away. But the good news is, he'll show up. Yes, he will. He will come through. And just because he hasn't come through already, does not mean he's not coming through at all. 
The Lord will make a way. I wish I had one or two more witnesses who can help me testify that I've been down to my last time. But the Lord stepped in right on time. I never thought I'd be where I am right now. But look where the Lord has brought me from. It's right here. It's right here. It's right here in verse 5 and verse number 6. Likewise, you, you young people who don't know anything, you, you young people who have no life experience, Submit yourselves to the elder. I said it, I said it Tuesday night. We live in a time when people don't care about nothing old. They don't care about anything that's that's over fifty. Because everything now is geared towards youth and and excitement and and, and, and vigor and vitality. You got fools like Kanye West who, who, who's talking about running for president. And, and, and you, just, you can just be famous for being famous. Kim Kardashian and Khloe Kardashian haven't done anything. They, they haven't contributed anything. They're just famous for being famous. Paris Hilton and uh, Nicki Minaj, all of these young people who, who, who bring nothing to the table, but they are celebrated by this society because we don't care about anything that's over 50. Uh, folk with no life experience uh, contribute to conversations of great impact and import who are just actors in Hollywood. They know nothing about life, but we hang on their every word. But the scripture tells us to guard against that, because when you don't have any life experience, you ought to listen to somebody who's been somewhere. Solomon, Solomon, who was the wisest king who ever lived, spent an entire book, the book of Proverbs, trying to give wisdom to his young son, Rehoboam. But Rehoboam listened to some people with no life experience who destroyed the kingdom that God had set up because when you are unwise, you are headed towards destruction. When you don't listen to anybody, you are headed towards ruin. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves unto the elder. Not only should the younger ones submit to the elder among us, but all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Which leads me to surrender your will to God. Surrender your will to God. Everybody is seeking their own way. 
But the true child of God will learn to allow God to have preeminence, first place in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added unto you. Now, brothers and sisters, humility is a difficult garment to put on. But it's so becoming. Let me run that by you one more time. It's a difficult garment to put on, but it is so becoming to the child of God. To be clothed with humility means to tie yourself up in a garment of humility. It means to wear the apron of a slave. Peter would know this firsthand because the disciples were in the upper room getting ready to observe the supper. And it was the job of the slave, the lowliest in the room, to wash their feet while they reclined at table. They were getting ready to fellowship. And it was the job of the lowliest servant to get an apron, put it on, and wash their feet as they reclined at table. And nobody thought to do the customary foot washing. So Jesus arises from the supper, lays aside his garment, puts on the apron of a slave, and washes his disciples' feet as an example that no matter how high you think you are, don't ever be so high that you can't serve somebody. Um, when, when you become a Christian and surrender your will to God, what you say to the Lord is, I have no will but your will. I have no plans but your plans. I have no desire but your desire. I have made myself a slave. That word slave in the text uh, is, is the word bond servant, uh, a doulos, a bond servant, which means one who is willingly subject but not in bondage. I am free but I choose to be a slave. Now, all of us are slaves to something. The question this morning is, whose slave are you? Either you are a slave to sin, or you are a slave to godliness. And when you are a slave to, God, to sin, you're in bondage. But when you're a slave to godliness, You've been set free to come back and be a slave. Let me run it by you one more time. When you are a slave to sin, you are in bondage because sin is a cruel master. But when you are the slave of Christ, you are free to come back and be a slave. He sets you free 
but you love him so much that you come back to willingly make yourself a slave. The only folk who can shout right here is folk who believe that being in charge means being in control. But being in charge does not mean being in control. Because there's only one who's in control. I wish I had somebody to help me preach. You, you might be in charge of your little Sunday school class or charge of your auxiliary or in charge at your house. But when you come here, you better check your ego at the door. You better leave your supposed importance in the car. Because the only one here who deserves to be worshipped, who deserves to be, to be to shout over his name, is God himself. And brothers and sisters, when you're free, you don't care who's looking at you. Somebody else's opinion doesn't bother you. When God sets you free, you're so comfortable in your skin. You're so happy just being you that you don't need my approval. You don't need some man's pat on the back. You don't need some woman. You don't need a job. You don't need a certain house. You don't have to be in a certain crowd. You don't have to drive a certain kind of car. You can be free enough to come back and be a slave. To submit, to surrender, means to place yourself under others. To, 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 to submit means to willingly put yourself under others. But to resist means to shun that lowly estate. And the scripture says that God resists the pride. But he gives grace to the humble. Let me see if I can demonstrate. To submit means surrender. But to resist means to keep people and God at arm's length. Because I'm too big for these people. You know who I am? You know how many degrees I have? You know what kind of money I make? Do you know the important people who know my name? Somebody ought to help me talk it. Um, it happens to me all the time. I go to Luby's because I like liver and onion. If you don't like it, I'm, I'm not making it a religion. I'm just saying I like, I like liver and onion. And so I like how they cook it over there at Luby's. And so often, uh, once, at least once a week, I'm in Luby's. And I can't get to my table without people wanting to shake my hand. 
I watch you every Sunday morning. Thank God for you. You are a gift to the body of Christ. And, and often, it gets on my nerves. <laughs> because I just want some liver and onions. And some sweet tea. Peach cobbler. And go on about my business. But it never fails that as soon as I walk in Luby, people crowd around my table to shake my hand. And, and the Holy Spirit always convicts me that these people don't have to shake your hand. These people don't have to appreciate your ministry. You better take the time and humble yourself and be nice to these people because you don't know what being nice, what kind of blessings that can bring you away. And every time I go to Lubis, somebody pays for my lunch. Now, I, I, I got a plenty of money. I can pay for my own lunch. But when you go out of your way to speak to people, you don't know what kind of blessings God will bring you away. Somebody ought to help me preach it. It's just nice to, to lower yourself and take the time to do what you don't feel like doing because you don't know how God wants to bless you and through whom God wants to bless you. Um, it, it, it's right here in the text. God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Under the irresistible hand of God. Because crying and complaining is not going to stop the trial. Murmuring and groaning is not going to move his hand. Because we are pilgrims with a purpose. And the purposes that God wants to work out in our lives may include trials, setbacks, heartbreak. I wish I had a witness here. It may mean that you have to stay sick a while. It may mean that you have to go through it a while. You're not going to come through it yet because God has his mighty hand on you. And that hand on your life is so powerful not to crush you down, but to get purpose out of you. brothers and sisters, his hand is on his child to bring purpose out of you. Because the text says, in due time, he will exalt you. That word due time is the word kairos, which is different from chronos. Chronos is chronological time or 
or time on a clock. But God does not move by time on a clock. God is above time. So chronos is time, chronological time that we can mark by looking at a clock. But kairos means that God will get us out in his time. Anybody here ever been through a trial? And for a moment it looked like it would never end. But now that you're on the other side of it, you have surrendered yourself to the mighty hand of God. That's, that's, that's what raising your hands in the church comes from. It, it's mean, it means I've surrendered. I, I, I give up. God, my will is your will. My ways are your ways. My desires are your desires. Whatever you want me to do, I give up. I surrender. You can have my life. Take it and make it what you want it to be. And whenever you give up struggling, God will always bless you. Let me see if I can help you from the scripture. Jacob was a cheater, a trickster, and a liar. I wish I had a Bible reading. And the scripture says he stole his brother's blessing, tricked him out of his birthright, and ran away and thought he'd gotten away with it. But 20 years later, where it on the street was, Esau is coming. And the scripture says, all night that night, Jacob wrestled with an angel. And the angel was really a pre-incarnate representation of God himself. Somebody ought to help me preach it. And they struggled all night. Because when you don't want to give up what you used to be to become what God is trying to make you, it's a struggle. Let me, let me, let me just talk to some honest people in here today. It's hard to give up what you like to get a hold of what God is trying to get you to love. Ever got a witness here? I love my sinful ways. I love my sinful trials. But the Lord is trying to bring me to another place. And to get me there is a struggle. Now, if you ain't struggling, that's because you ain't trying to get nowhere. But those of us here who are struggling can help me testify that every time I desire to do good, evil is always present. The good that I would do, I find myself not doing. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do. If you're not struggling, that's because you're resisting. You, you, you're trying to be a Christian in your strength. You're trying to be a Christian 
in your goodness. But those of us here who are struggling know we need grace. I said we need grace to humble us. Sometimes God got to take you all the way down before he can bring you back up again. Sometimes God got to take from you what you think you can't get along without to let you know he was there all the time. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom before you find out who is the rock at the bottom. Sometimes all hell got to break loose in your life. It got to get so dark that the only thing you can do is look up and say, Father, I stretch. <laughs> have you been there? I said, have you been there? Have you been there? Have your sins weighed you down? But the Lord gave you grace. I need some folk here whose sin has embarrassed you, but God still picked you up, covered you, and stood you up on your feet. Don't you let these folk make you ashamed about your past. Your past gives you your testimony. If it had not been,
casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. That word care in the text is the word anxiety. And that word anxiety means to be pulled in all kinds of different directions. And that's what worry will do. It'll pull you in all kinds of directions. You've got all kinds of stuff on your mind. Your children are on your mind. Your health is on your mind. Your house is on your mind. Your old age is on your mind. Your retirement is on your mind. Your strength is on your mind. Your brother is on your mind. Your granddaughter is on your mind. Your trials are on your mind. How am I going to get this paid? How am I going to get that taken care of? How am I going to get that situation worked out? When is this thing ever going to turn around? When am I going to get my breakthrough? I see them over there and they don't ever go to church. And they always seem to buy a new car every two years or so. But here I am serving the Lord. And I got the same old beat down jalopy. But I'm going to go to church anyhow. Maybe this Sunday is going to be the Sunday that God turns it around. And then you come this Sunday and God doesn't turn it around. And you go back home and you're pulled in all kinds of directions. But here's what I want you to do. Cast your care. I said cast your care. That word cast your care means to place your care. You remember on the triumphant entry, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem riding on an ass. And they took their garments and threw them on the donkey and threw them on the road. And Jesus triumphed. He rode on them. That's what cast your cares mean. Put it on Jesus and let him triumph over it. Put it on Jesus and let him ride over it. Here is the shout in the text. Your anxieties are pulling you in all these directions because you've got every worry that you can imagine. You've got every care that you can imagine. You can just number how many things you are worried about this morning. But here is the shout in the text. With all the cares that you can number, God just got one care. You ready for it? With all the cares you have that you can number, God just has one care. You ready for the shout? With all the cares you can write down on a piece of paper. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. God just got one care. You ready for the shout? God just cares about one thing. You. You, that's all he cares about. 
That's all he's looking out for. That's all he's going to take care of. Come on, point to yourself and say, God is looking out for me. God cares about me. Why don't you hug somebody? Why don't you encourage somebody and tell them God cares for you? God cares. God cares. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy, the joy, joy, I know he's all right. Because sometimes you got to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to pat your own self on the back. Nobody else is looking at you. Nobody else cares about you. So you got to care about yourself. But if you don't even care about yourself, God cares for you. 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 God cares. God cares for you. God cares for you. God cares for you. So you better get out of my way. 
I got something I want to do right now. I want to give God my best hallelujah. I want to give him my best thank you, Jesus. I want to lift my hand right now. I don't want to knock your hat off now. So move on out of my way. Because I got a reason to tell God thank you. I got a reason to give God my best hallelujah. I got a reason to shout right now. He brought me from a mighty long way. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I was sick, and he made me well. I was down, and he picked me up. Why don't you grab somebody? Tell them you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. You can't tell it like I can tell it where the Lord has brought me from. I know he's all right. Jump in. 
I just love that uh, Van Morrison, but whenever God shines his light on me. Oh, yeah, I love that number right there. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And today is really and truly November the 22nd, 2023. And we're grateful, thankful unto Almighty God for 11 months and 22 days into this new year of 2023. And God has brought us, he brought us a mighty long ways. And we thank him today. Listen, first off, I want to ask uh, the intercessors to touch and agree with me uh, in prayer for Sister Jerry. So if we could pray for her, I would greatly appreciate it today. And uh, we're moving on in Jesus' name. I went to see her yesterday, and I took a couple of things, and I thank God I was able to. So listen, uh, we're moving right along this morning, and uh, Terry K. Anderson was preaching on tough times. Uh, This morning, you can press that number one. We'll probably get out right at nine today. I have to get started on some things, you know, for the Thanksgiving holiday. But listen, this morning, I want to ask you if you would share with us, when you had tough times, what did you do? What did you do to move on during tough times? How did you get through your tough time? How did you get through your heartache, your pain, your your trial? How did you get through? Feel free anytime to press that number one and come in and share with us. I've gone through many hard times, many tough times, a lot of trouble, uh, a lot of trials. I've gone through some things. And um, how I come out through prayer. Sometimes through prayer and fasting. Yeah, sometimes through obedience. Yeah. I went to help somebody else, and while I was helping them, God fixed my situation. Yeah. But I come out each time, even when I was in the world, I came out by the grace of God, through his love and his mercy. This is how I come out. Yeah. His grace for me. His mercy he had upon me brought me out. So I can't say, well, I figured out this. I I didn't figure out nothing. I didn't know how to. He did it for me. Or he gave me an idea of how to do it. Yeah, he showed me what to say at that time, what to do during that time. And it brought me out into a better place. Sometimes it was being homeless. I've been there and done that before. You slept in my car. Had to go and stay at somebody else's house a few days. I met this woman at a hotel. She managed a big, fancy hotel in Orlando. And I went there just to inquire. I had about $3. And I went to inquire because I was thinking, in a few days I'd get my paycheck and i just see what I can do to move in here. Well, when I got there, God opened my mouth and used my mouth to minister to her. He spoke in her life out of my mouth, told her some things that nobody knew but him and her. So what happened was 
She said, you need somewhere to stay. I said, yeah, I really do. She said, um, I have a suite. And it's up on, let's say, the, the 20th floor. And only the creme dollar creme stayed on that 20th floor. She said, and I'm going to let you stay for $3. I stayed many nights there for $3 a night in that suite. And then when she couldn't do it no more. Because see, when I left, they had to clean that room and, and, and the maids had to be paid. And she didn't make no money off the room. So uh, when I left there, I went on another sister's. Uh, evangelist Rhonda Kirby. She said, girl, come on over here. I got a couch. And I went over and stayed at her place for a while. Then God opened the door, gave me a different job. I made more money, and he gave me another spot. And then when I ended up, I had my own apartment. Little cute little number just for me. Yeah. And he blessed me there. He sent me there because the people in there were sick. So he sent me that I even had church over in the community room and invited some people to come in. Oh, yeah, all kind of stuff. But he brought me out. I can never say I came out on my own. Because without him today and every day, I can do absolutely nothing. We've all had some tough times. When I was in prison, that was a tough time. But God blessed me to endure Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I've seen many women similar to myself walking all around highfalutin like we all that and a bag of donuts and we in prison. You done, <laughs> you done broke the law. And you so highfalutin, if you were so highfalutin, what you doing in prison with all kind of other people? And you a criminal too. See, he showed me a lot of things. He taught me about reality, what's real. Now, in their minds, and in my mind, too, at that time, I wasn't such a bad person. I didn't drink, smoke, cuss. Oh, no, I didn't do all of that. Hang out, party. Go to bars. Oh no, that wasn't me. I was I was a mother. I wasn't that kite in the bank money is what I did. I don't care who mother you was or what kind of mother you was, you broke the law. And you kept doing it. They gave you opportunity to stop, but you just wouldn't stop. So they put you somewhere where you could think about it and get yourself together and stop. And then you want to look around like you all that. All of what? Foolishness? That's what you all love. Yeah. And then the other ones, you know, who thought they was all of that, they would come to me, you know. Now, I, wasn't, I was not a joke. Let me tell y'all that. I was not scared. I was not wimpy. None of that. Never have been. Whatever you wanted to do, I wanted to do it too. Especially when it came to some foolishness called fighting and all that kind of craziness. But I walked through that, you know, like I was stepping on rose petals. And the other ones like that, you know, they would come to me and say, hey, Barbara, um, we wanted to buy you a Spiegel shirt. 
I was like, a shirt from Stiegel. I, I was like, okay, what size you wear? I would tell them the size. They would get me a shirt from Stiegel's. I'm looking like these women got money to buy all of this fancy clothes because you only could have personal jeans and a white shirt and personal shoes. You could have your makeup and all of that, and every two weeks you got to go to the beauty shop to get your hair done, any kind of way you wanted it done. But with all of that garb, look where I was. And God pulled the cover off of me and showed me me. Because I'm walking around in there thinking I'm all that. And I'm telling you, even the even the, <laughs> the CO, correctional officers, we call them the police, even the COs noticed that. And they wanted to talk to me to see where I was from and all. Because you 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 you, you acting like you're all highfalutin. So these other ones, they would come and we would sit around and laugh and talk and uh, they would ask me questions. I would ask them questions. And I ended up going through there doing what God would have me to do. I didn't even know that's what was going on. I thought it was me. This was before I come into the full knowledge of Almighty God and his word. Reality really had not really set in yet. I was going through the motion of life, but not real reality. Because see, if I was living the real life, I would have known where I ended up. It was not a good place. How could I be so highfalutin, locked up in prison? Now you're just as guilty as you can be. And you're no better than a murderer, a thief, a robber. You're no better than those people. Yeah, but you want to walk around like, I didn't do such a crime. So I ended up with these women who was not highfalutin. And they ended up sharing their testimonies, what happened to them while they were there, or the night of their crime, what went, all of this kind of stuff. And a lot of them was on medication because they had to cope with this. You know what I'm saying? And when they talked to me, it was like an interview. So they could tell me, you know, while they was on their medication, they could talk about it. You had women walking around, they had gained so much weight, and they would be walking like they were zombies because they was on so much heavy medication to cope with the crime they had committed. They couldn't believe it. Them, you know, themselves had did such a heinous, ooh, such a thing. But many cases, they did not do it, but the enemy came and tricked them. Yeah, the devil came and tricked them and made them believe it was this when it was that. Or you do this, nothing is going to happen. And as soon as they did it, bam, they murdered somebody. As soon as they were gone, 15 minutes, the police had them. All kind of stuff. A lot of crimes women committed was because of a man. Oh, it, it, it was a lot of pitiful things. A lot of pitiful situations. And I never considered this. I never considered my husband was somebody, ex-husband was some of the cause for me being there. I never considered that. But when God snatched the cover, he showed you everything. 
And it's up to you to believe that. Yeah, it's up to you to believe because he is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the devil who come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's him that come to steal your life, your vision, your dreams. It's him that come and lie. He's the father of all lies. He come and tell you a lie, and you believe it. And when you open your eyes, you messed up. So many times we've been in bad troubles. We've been in situations. We, 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 we struggle. And not always struggling with financial things. But we struggle with things we deal with in our minds. God want to change all of that. He want to make us over. He want to make us brand new. I want to renew myself in him daily. Where I was at yesterday, I don't want to be the same place today. I want to be a bit further on down that narrow path that leads to him. I don't ever want to get back on that wide road that leads to destruction. It's no good. But what have you done when you had struggles and troubles and different things? A lot of parents, when they find out what their children are doing or have done, it's as if they destroy. It, it, it destroyed them within. And sometimes a parent just turn themselves from what they know is right to deal with what the child has done or doing. Now, I'm not telling you just uh, what somebody told me. I'm telling you who I have counseled with, who I have uh, talked to, who have talked to me. I've had women that tell me, well, my daughter was this and that, and she was out there. And I just couldn't get over her being out there. And when I say out there, her daughter was prostituting. And that was not her dream or vision for her baby, for her daughter. And so the mother said to herself, well, I'm going out here, and I'm going to see what it is she do. Ask the daughter to teach her. And the daughter took the mama to the pimp, and he taught the mama how to prostitute. Now the mama and the daughter out on the streets doing whatever with whoever for money because that mother was so overwhelmed and distraught at what her daughter was doing. She couldn't believe it. And then she loved, she figured she loved her daughter so much. I'm going to get out here with my baby and protect my baby. But honey, you can't protect yourself. I was in prison. I was a mother. This woman had five or six daughters, no sons, all girls. Her and all her daughters ended up in prison. And the daughters kept coming back. They would get out, come back to the prison. The mother would never get out. I think she had a life sentence. But they continued to come back, in and out, in the mother. And one day I thought about that thing. I said, Lord, have mercy. If my mama was up here, they would bury me. I would die. I would just have a heart attack and just die over the very thought of my mom being in prison. But all kind of troubles, not, not only those troubles, uh, the same thing for men. Men go to prison, and the same thing for them. They have troubles. They 
They go through. Some men go and they they don't really know how to fight. And, and, and they are raped and all kind of stuff. Sometimes they die. Somebody shank them to death, cut them to death, stab them to death. All kind of stuff happens in this life. Yeah. Sometimes people don't have food to eat, clothes to wear, shoes to wear, nowhere to live. It's all kind of struggles in this life. But I found this out for myself. When you come to Jesus, he can change all of that for you. Yeah. And he will not put any more on you. This is true, and I know it. Then you can bear. Because he said, come unto me, all that are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. He know what we can take and what we can't. So he's not going to do any more or take us through any more than we can bear. All that I've gone through, I could bear that. Someone else wouldn't be able to bear it, so he don't allow them to go through it. But all that I've gone through is for a testimony unto him that God is, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's our first and our last. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. See, I'm new today. I'm not that same old creature I was. Yeah. In a man being Christ, you're a new creature. Old things has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You get a new mind, a new heart, so you have a new way of thinking. That old way you used to think, you don't think like that no more. You, 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 you see things in a different light. You've learned better. You know right from wrong. You're choosing as much right to do as possible. You find out you got to have a prayer life and a Bible study life, so you get about that and you stick with it. I don't care what comes your way. You seeking the word of God, talking to him in prayer. And what happened many times, people focus more on their trouble than the one who could fix the trouble. They, they can't let the trouble go. They can't let the struggle go. So they focus on that. What can I do to do this? What can I do to fix that? that? That's their mentality. But when we go to Jesus, when trouble arises, you run to him and watch what happened for you. He said to trust him with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Now, that's what he said. And all your ways acknowledge him. He's going to direct your path. But it, when you bypass him, run into the trouble thinking you can fix it, and the more you try to fix it, the deeper it gets. You get in there so deep that you can't get yourself out, only he can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank him that I got so deep in my trouble, only he could bring me out. And I thank him that I realized only he could bring me out, and he did over and over again, and still bringing me out of trouble today. Hallelujah. He's still fixing my heart. He's yet regulating my mind. Hallelujah. <laughs> I yet have a Bible study and a prayer life. I'm going to have that until the, until throughout eternity. 
Yeah. Because if we don't know his word, how will we apply it? And you must apply his word to your everyday life. I, I have several groups, prayer groups, and I notice people don't know how to pray. They know how to post a lot of words. And what happened is when you honor God with your lips and your heart be far from it, this is what you can do. You can't pray. You're not accustomed to praying and accustomed to praying for others. You may be accustomed to praying for you. But if he's in you, it's easy to pray for others. It's just easy for me to pray. I see a need, I begin to pray. Somebody requests prayer, I begin to pray. But when you haven't been there and doing that, it's not so easy. Because people like to put uh, things that they think make them look good. But what it do for me is it let me know where you and God stand. And you're not standing on that solid rock, which is his word. You're standing on what you think going to please the people and what going to make you look good in the people's eyes. Because you're not looking good in God's eyes because you're not bringing this from your heart. You're bringing it from another place. Everything we do, it must come from our heart. That's what God deal with, that heart. Our lips and our heart must say the same thing. God know we're telling the truth because it came from our heart out of our mouth. Oh, yeah, this morning. I'm grief under him. I appreciate him. I love him. I can't help myself. Yeah, there's none like him. He's been good to me. So, look, uh, uh, around 9, we're trying to get out this morning. And so I'm going to pray the prayer. Well, let's see if I can get one more song in here right quick before we go. And... um I'll pray the prayer of faith, and afterwards, uh, we won't be coming back today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Zach. That's the big number one song, Chainbreaker, from Zach Williams. And now we've got his brand new song. Sing along. This is Old Church Choir. And it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. A Sunday morning, hallelujah. And it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. Oh, once you choose it, you can't lose it.
singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a no church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing gonna Hallelujah, Mr. Zach Williams this morning and Old Church Choir. I like Zach a whole bunch. I like his songs. And I'm thankful unto Almighty God for bringing him out. Uh, Him, Russ Taft, as many of us. God had to bring us out. We couldn't bring ourselves out. And so I'm grateful unto him this morning. I appreciate him. I love him. He's been good to me. I'm here to tell you. And I'm so thankful. So listen, I'm wishing everybody a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Hope that you have family and friends or somewhere to go to have a good meal and fellowship with others and get to talk about God's wondrous works and make known his deeds among the people. And so I'm so thankful, so thankful that I got this opportunity this morning to come and at least do two hours of the show. But Friday, I should be back and I should be live Friday morning. Testify Friday. Get your testimony and come on Friday and uh, share the goodness of the Lord, what he has done in your life. Yeah, and doing because he's yet doing something in all of our lives. Even the world life, they don't realize it. But God is yet sustaining the world. Hallelujah. Giving them opportunity to come to him and giving us an opportunity to work more unto him. So I'm thankful uh, this morning is all I can say. And again, I'm grateful and I appreciate him. Hallelujah. Makes a difference when you know him for yourself and you appreciate what you found out about him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, uh, no show tomorrow, but again, on Friday, I should be back Friday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And next week, I'm going to, if God says the same, I'm going to try not to take a day off and we run the whole five days for the week. Heard from Brother Jermaine yesterday and he blessed me and uh, he wrote me and I got to write him back today because the Lord gave me a word for him. And so we are thankful, we're thankful that God can do all of this for us. He can speak to us. Yeah, through somebody else, it's just up to us to be willing to take a listen. So look, we're going to pray out, and we pray the Lord bring us back Friday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. God bless you, CR. God bless you today. (laughs) Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for bringing us out over and over again. Lord, when we're going through trials and troubles and problems, we want to run to you because you're our safe haven. Your name is even a name where we can run in and be saved. We can call on the name of Jesus. And not only do you hear, but Father, you'll move right now. So we thank you this morning for all you have done for us. Thank you for what you're doing right now. 
Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for waking us up. Thank you for being clothed in our right minds today. Thank you for the use and activity of limbs, life, health, and our strength. We give you glory this morning, and we thank you. Father, we bring Sister Jerry before you this morning. Ask that you would touch, heal her body, God. Bless her this day. Show her that you have all power. And it's nothing but a form of godliness. But, Lord, it's all about being honest and truthful and loving you and choosing 100% to do what's pleasing and acceptable unto you. Oh, bless her today in the name of Jesus. Anyone else that's sick or going through God, we ask that you would bless and bring them out today. Let them see you in the midst of their trials and tribulations in the name of Jesus. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. And, Lord, I know tomorrow is a day of thanksgiving, and we want to give you thanks, not because of what they told us about the pilgrims and all of this stuff, but, God, we thank you for being there for us over and over again. And, Lord, bless your people financially, touch and heal hearts, oh, God, and minds. Regulate minds today in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we ask that you would bless us mentally, spiritually, and physically this day in the name of Jesus. Help us to talk of your wondrous works and make known your deeds among the people. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Again, as we go out, Father, we ask that you would meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your Son, Christ Jesus. Bless our going out. Bless our coming in. In the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're not going to one more song of the morning, but we pray again that we're back on Friday. Hallelujah. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. Have a blessed rest of the day and a blessed Thanksgiving. I've got a new.